Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by CommercialAgentSuccess.com. It is the ultimate and commercial broker training. Learn more at CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Well, as we've started 2023 here, uh, one of the big things that's on the commercial real estate participants' minds are the availability of financing. Uh, what's happening with existing loans uh, as as these loans mature and, and rates are much higher? How much default do do we have going on now in the lending market? What should we expect moving forward? Well, please welcome my guest. It's Alani Hendry. He's senior VP and head of commercial real estate advisory with TREP. Alani, good to see you, and uh, thanks for joining us, sir. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate uh, the invitation to come on the show. Big fan of the show, and looking forward to uh, delving into the discussion today. Well, great. Well, thank you, Lonnie. And, you know, first of all, if we could start with the, the amount of maturities happening in 2023 and, you know, because it seems like a lot of those loans may be at much lower rates than borrowers can get today, right? What do you see on the horizon? Yeah, it's an interesting uh, question in the sense that it's top of mind for everyone in the marketplace. So we thought maybe we we're going to see some distress coming into COVID. There was a lot of you know equity raised for uh, placement into distressed assets, and that never came through, uh, based on some government stimulus. But now with the Fed taking its aggr- aggressive posture, you know maturities in 2023, I think, have been the headline or, or top of mind for everybody in the in the marketplace. So, you know, Trep is a data and analytics modeling company. We we focus primarily on the securitized debt market. So I have some some stats here that we'll provide for the listeners. Uh, covering those securitized markets. So Fannie, Freddie, Ginny, FHA, CMBS, CRE, CLO. Um, and as it pertains to 2023 maturities, we're showing about $119 billion worth of upcoming maturities in 2023, which is a fairly large number uh, led by multifamily. There's about $33 billion worth of multifamily loans coming due in 23. Uh, office comes in second at about $22.5 billion. Industrials just over 21 billion, retail is about 13 billion, and then lodging rounds it out um, above 10 billion at about 12.5. Interesting nugget on those though is, is of the 118 billion in total, about 80 billion 500 million of that is floating rate. So you mentioned, you know, we're in a considerably different interest rate environment now than what lo- those loans were in uh, at origination. Wow. So again, how many are in the floating rate type loans? So about $80 billion of floating rate loans. Um, and that's led again by multifamily. So multifamily has a total of $32 billion maturing in 23. Of that, $22 billion is floating rate. Um, and so it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out in the marketplace. Um, we've, we've done some research around interest rate caps and the cost of those. Um, and so we'll see how the market reacts to you know these properties coming online, especially in the office sector where you've seen a decline in occupancy, um, you've seen an increase in cap rates in some markets where there actually is transaction. A lot of markets, there haven't been a lot of transactions. So uh, lenders are really looking at weighted average lease term and some other 
underwriting metrics. It'll be interesting to see if the, some of those offices are actually able to even refinance. Yeah. Well, what are you seeing in uh, default so far, Lonnie? Yeah. So on the default, so we have a couple of metrics here. So we track delinquency. So delinquency uh, top line would look at you know properties that are at least sixty days behind on payments. So in this in the securitized world, if you miss your first payment, you effectively go into grace period. After you've missed two consecutive payments, then you'd be considered delinquent. Um, and in that instance, on the delinquency side, um, the numbers actually look pretty good on the whole. So overall delinquency as of December of 22 was sitting just over 3%. So 3.04% on the universe of properties that we track. Um, if you compare that to 12 months prior, so at December of 21, we were actually sitting at 4.57%. So even given the, the interest rate environment, the aggressive uh, nature of the Fed, uh, which we all know, you know, they've raised rates at an unprecedented pace in 2022, delinquency was actually down year over year. Um, lodging was the biggest mover there. Lodging was about 9% delinquent in December of 21, and that was reduced down at year end of 22 to about 4.5%. If you look at you know properties that are actually in foreclosure, REO, or have some form of delinquency, just to put some context around that in terms of loan balance, we're looking at about seventeen and a half billion dollars worth of loans that are, you know, thirty, sixty, ninety uh, foreclosure or REO status. Already, right now, right now, and that's led by the retail sector. So no surprise there. Regional, super regional malls have uh, definitely had the headlines, and they still do. There's about 6.7 billion worth of uh, retail properties, which are primarily regional and super regional malls. We have had some green shoots in that space over the last couple of months. We've seen a couple of malls, you know, be granted extension options or be able to refinance with some equity uh, contributed at closing by the uh, the borrower. Uh, but just to give some geographical preference or geographical reference, I should say, um, in terms of the retail delinquency right now. New York has the highest um, loan balance of delinquencies on the retail sector. It's about 3.6 billion. Texas is uh, second with about 1.8 billion. Then you have Illinois, New Jersey, California, and Florida that round out the top six there. So um, Florida comes in just about 750 million. Uh, and again, New York sets the high water market, 3.6 billion. Interesting. And what do you expect moving forward through the rest of the year? As you mentioned, there, there are a lot of uh, opportunistic buyers out there that, that look forward to these times of distress uh, at maybe every 10 or 12 years or so. Uh, what do you expect this year? It'll be really interesting. We just wrapped up the uh, the CREF-C conference in Miami a couple of weeks ago, and I think one of the central themes from that conference, and I've, I've you know heard it on some other panels that I've been a part of over the last couple of months, is that the market's kind of suspended right now in a game of chicken. You have a, a pretty large disparity on the the you know, bid ask spectrum from the seller's perspective and buyer's perspective. I think the maturities that are upcoming, not just in 23. So we, we talked about the 118 billion worth of maturities in 23. If you look at 24, so you got two years, there's $151 billion worth of maturities in 24. Um, and about 80 billion of that is also floating rate. So if you look at the, the next 24 months, um, I think with the maturities, it's going to force the hand of some of these property owners to have to face reality of cash in refi if they wanted to try to refinance their loan, or they're going to have to come down on, on price and buyers are going to potentially be able to buy some of these assets 
you know, at a discount, especially in certain markets. If you look at Chicago, their office and retail markets have been pretty decimated coming out of the pandemic. There's been a lot of stories about San Francisco office. I think I saw something this last week that office, you know, availability there was about 30%. And Minneapolis, we've done some stuff up there. There are about 2 million square feet of sublease availability. So, you know, you have certain markets that are really going to see, you know, a combination of increased interest rates, significant loan maturities, um, and buyers sitting on the sidelines ready to jump on the opportunity to buy distressed assets. What would be your advice to uh, borrowers who potentially have uh, maturity coming up this year or next, and uh, maybe they realize right now that the, the NOI is not going to support uh, a new loan? Yeah, so I think this is, you know, from the operator's perspective, if you're an owner of a building, uh, obviously you can't, you know, individually remove the storm clouds of the broader macro environment we've described. But what you can do is be proactive. You can reach out to your lender. You can tell them exactly what's going on with your property. You can differentiate how you're going to uh, drive leasing velocity at your buildings, how you're going to increase, you know, retention with your current um, tenants, how you have a management strategy that's going to allow you to persevere through this um, interest rate environment. And I think lenders on the whole, you know, they don't want to take these properties back. Um, and so if you have sound management, if you have a strategy, if you can articulate that, if you have some data to back up your thesis, I think you have some favorable outcomes. And maybe, you know, the favorable outcome for most, you know, office owners, as an example, over the next couple of years would be maybe you don't get that full refi that you want, but maybe you can contribute some capital and get a 24 month extension. And hopefully in 24 months, interest rates have, you know, settled down or come back uh, down to what, you know, we've seen over the last five or so years. And or, uh, you know, maybe work from home has dissipated a little bit more, you know, employers are requiring tenants to, to have their people in the, in, the, um, in the office daily. And so I think that would be my, you know, suggestion is be proactive. I definitely don't think this is a head in the sand type of moment because there's definitely too many storm clouds on the horizon that if you let somebody else control the narrative, the narrative is not a positive one at the moment. <laughs> That's right. That's good advice. Uh, we uh, come in a lot of times as third party uh, brokers uh, uh, to kind of be the middleman to help uh, a borrower and lender figure out, hey, is this plan really uh, realistic from a from a third party uh, point of view? So uh, great advice. Lonnie, what about uh, investors who may be looking to uh, pick up loans or pick up distressed properties. Any advice for them? For sure. I think, you know, a couple of things that I've, I've been making this point on a lot of the different uh, outlets that I've, I've had an opportunity to speak on. I think sometimes those of us that are in the business take for granted that, you know, the layperson or maybe somebody that's new to the industry, they hear some of these headlines or they read the, they, they read the headlines or they hear people talk about them on podcasts about, you know, the market's down X percent or vacancy is, you know, at a certain number across major markets. But there's no such thing as a national real estate market. Uh, real estate, by definition, is a local and sometimes a hyper local uh, endeavor. And so, you know, for investors right now, you can't sit back and say, well, there's just going to be broad distress across the U.S. and you're going to be able to scoop up assets in any major market at some you know percentage discount. The reality is some of these markets are actually going to persevere and they may see very mild distress. And some of it's a function of timing, depending on when the loans were taken out, depending on you know how cash flow positive some of these assets are and their ability to get extension options and others. But you look at some of these markets where 
you know, maybe some of the underlying fundamentals, you know, migration patterns have negatively impacted them, or maybe large scale employers have really downsized in those markets. If I'm an investor, I'm looking for those broader macro signals to tell me which markets I think are going to feel the most pain, but I think still have long term viability. And then I'm really delving into some of the properties within those markets and trying to find, you know, opportunities that meet my underwriting criteria that I think I can add value to over a, a hold period that has, you know, long term viability and maybe just some short term suffering based on some factors that, you know, maybe are have been brought on by COVID. If you look at some of the migration patterns, I mean, people moving out of major cities like Chicago and New York and others, I'm bullish on those cities long term. I think people come back there. I think those markets return to vibrancy. New York obviously has at a much faster pace than Chicago. Um, but I, that would be my advice. Find cities that have long term viability that maybe have you know suffered from some of these short term uh, external obsolescence fe features and then really div dig in and find some properties that meet your criteria. Yeah. Well, good advice. And I love the word hyper local talking about real estate performance and because sometimes a, a, a property, uh, two similar properties across the street from each other can have significantly different uh, performance and values. Uh, right. Um, and, and Lonnie, what about uh, new new loans uh, being uh, closed in the CMBS, Fannie, Freddie? You know, what have you seen uh, last year? What do you expect this year? Are, are we going to have available financing to 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 take out these uh, loans that are maturing? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I mean, what we know about real estate is, you know, it's a it's an industry that thrives on certainty. So if you know exactly what interest rates are going to be, then you can underwrite that from a lender's perspective. If you, you know, know what a market rental rate is, then as a as a an operator, you know what type of value you can add to a property. When you know what cap rates are based on transactions, then you can you know, fairly and accurately assess the value for, from an acquisition perspective. Right now, we're in a, a market that's completely uncertain. We don't know exactly what the Fed's going to do. We haven't really seen a repricing of assets at this point, so nobody's really certain of what the value is. And all of those things have downstream implications in terms of liquidity in the market. So I think lenders are optimistic. They want to make loans. They have capital available to make loans. The challenge for them is that they have to underwrite to current interest rates, to current risk metrics. And some of those are still not really quantifiable and a little bit unknown. So I think issuance we've seen since July of 22 has really nosedived. Um, and I think for this first quarter of 23, we're expecting muted um, you know, issuance on the whole. So just to give some uh, statistics here or some context, in 2021, on the CMBS, so this would be your private label CMBS deals. We had 164 total deals in 2021, which accounted for about $118 billion in issuance. If you look at 22, there were only 96 deals and about 72 billion in issuance. So roughly, you know, 60 plus percent of what it was in 21. And I think you could see something very similar in 23 um, as those markets are still fairly frozen at this point. You know, the agency, Markets have, uh, this was the first time I believe since the FHFA has taken over the GSEs that they didn't hit their lending caps um, in 22. And they've actually revised their lending caps in 23 downward. Uh, so I think that kind of gives you some sense of, you know, where market expectations are for issuance there. And then the last market we track is the commercial real estate collateralized loan obligation. These are short-term bridge debt uh, financing 
And in 21, there was about 45 billion in issuance. We saw a pretty dramatic decline in 22 to just over 30 billion. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, you know, borrowers, especially in that space, those are traditionally transitional loans, value add reposition type of opportunities driven primarily by multifamily. Um, it'll be interesting to see if there's still an appetite for that uh, heading into 23. Yeah, it sure will. And I think uh, as far as lenders go, uh, these might be some of the safest loans they would do today um, than they've done in a long time because at least, at least we do have you know, higher interest rates now, right? If they close a loan now, they have to worry about about that situation and you know maybe less com competition with other lenders. So I know there's a lot of lenders that, that are real active even in, in, in the office sector uh, right now. Well, uh, Lonnie, what would you leave our audience with to think about regarding um, this this market we're, we're heading into? Yeah, I think, you know, we can all get caught up in the headlines. Uh, I think a couple of takeaways would be, you know, if you and I were recording this uh, discussion five years ago, the headline was the retail apocalypse and the death of retail. And that's what all, all the short shows and all the practitioners, we were all talking about what's going to happen to retail. And I think if you look at where retail is now coming out of the pandemic, you know, bad retail has gone away. The retailers that were uh, able to adjust to COVID, create an omni-channel type of delivery mechanism, they've survived. And retail is actually one of the best performing sectors on the whole right now. If you look at the headlines today, it's office, it's doom and gloom. No one's coming back to work. These offices are obsolete. There's no real, you know, logical adaptive reuse that doesn't require zoning and, you know, exorbitant expense, et cetera, for uh, residential conversions. My takeaway is that the real estate market's resilient. Uh, commercial real estate is a huge part of our economic engine. We're, we are all taught, you know, when you're, in, when you're in undergrad or grad school and you're learning about real estate, it's a cyclical business. And generally, the cycles have been somewhere between, you know, seven to nine years. We're probably, you know, 10 plus years into this cycle without any type of a, a firm repricing or resetting a basis. And I think we're probably going to see that over the next couple of years based on some of the data we talked about today. But I think that's healthy for the market in the long run. We need to see some of these assets that are older repriced to something that makes more sense. Um, and once we do that and people have a reset basis, they'll be able to add value. They'll be able to renovate. They'll be able to keep those uh, assets viable longer. So, you know, I would say it's not all doom and gloom. This is part of the process. Uh, if you're capitalized and you can survive, you'll come out on the other end in a better spot. Um, and if you're not, unfortunately, some people are going to lose their buildings. Uh, but hopefully some investors come in and, and you know, finish re renovating, re remodeling, doing whatever they can to make those those buildings viable for the longer term. So it's not doom and gloom. Everything's going to be okay is what you're telling us. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to feel some short-term pain, but I yeah. think, you know, you have to take the longer-term objective. I mean, one of the, and you know this from, from your business, I mean, investors look at real estate, and one of the inherent benefits of real estate is that it's fairly illiquid. I mean, that does create value for them as an asset class. It's, it's a challenge in times like this, um, but the reality is if you can persevere, you know, We've, we've survived in interest rate environments of 6% plus. I think what we're seeing is, is this unknown um, commodity of what our interest rate's gonna settle in at. If everyone knew interest rates were gonna stay where they are today, I think that repricing happens much more quickly and I think things start to operate more efficiently. It's this unknown where people are hoping that rates come down, so they're willing to hold on a little bit longer when the reality is if they stay, they would probably sell out 
and the cycle will just take care of itself. That's a good point. Uh, we were pricing uh, a hotel sale for a client this morning and he was asking us, all right, well, if I sell it now, all right, you, you got this kind of cap rate range in mind. Uh, what if I'm doing this a, a year from now? Um, and so, you know, we pulled up the, the systems and reports and, and everything. So, well, we think depending on the interest rates, it could be, we could be 25, 50 basis points higher on a cap rate uh, is our estimate, you know, in a year from now. So, uh, yeah, it would be good to see uh, where it shakes out. Final thought, Lonnie? I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, you know, I think the marketplace is dynamic. Uh, it's, it's an interesting time to be a practitioner in the space. Uh, but again, it's a resilient market, and I'm optimistic on the long term that, uh, you know, if we sit down and we talk again here in 18 or 24 months, I think we'll be talking about the upside in a lot of these markets that are struggling today. And we'll do just that. Lonnie, thank you for joining us, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us around the country. Please let us know what you think. If you'd like to know uh, more from uh, Lonnie Hendry with TREP, their website is TREP, T-R-E-P-P dot com. Well, thank you for joining us. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Appreciate the show? Consider referring business or doing business with our sponsors. Bull Realty is a commercial real estate sales, leasing, and advisory firm doing business throughout the Southeast, headquartered in Atlanta. Visit bullrealty.com for more information. Commercial Agent Success Strategies provides video training for commercial agents. This training gets five-star reviews from even the most experienced brokers. Learn more at commercialagentsuccess.com. You're invited to connect with us on your favorite social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't miss a show of special interest to you. Be sure and subscribe to the show on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And at the show website, CREshow.com, you can subscribe for a weekly email announcing the show topic and guest. While you're there, you also found more videos and podcasts. Thank you for watching or listening to America's Commercial Real Estate Show.